Thanks for joining us for this next segment of The Brangy Bunch. I'm Shelby. And I'm Julia. Last time we learned about empathy and how it works in the brain and as a societal tool. Today we'll be shifting gears a little bit, talking about what we hope you will find to be a fascinating subject matter. For any of our listeners who are parents, you know firsthand the ongoing battle of sifting through seemingly endless articles and news segments about the newest research on what will make your child healthier, smarter, happier, more successful. But anyone listening who is not a parent is still likely familiar with this rabbit hole of information, often providing contradictory advice to desperate parents who just want their children to grow into well-adjusted adults. We hope that throughout this episode, we can provide some clarity on these questions. What can be done early in life to promote ideal developmental and intellectual growth in a human being? What results can we expect from this? Why do these phenomena occur? We hope you will join us as we dive in. There are countless activities and lessons you can expose children to that supposedly augment intelligence and enhance development. Maybe you've read an article about the benefits of learning and playing chess as a youngster, or maybe you've seen a clip in your local news channel about the kids' flag football team and how much these kids benefit from playing the sport. While chess and flag football might be a little too obscure for our purposes, we'll discuss some perhaps more relatable childhood activities, specifically music and bilingual education. You've probably heard quite a bit about both of these. Uh, The Washington Post's most recent publication entitled Music Lessons Are the Best Investment for Your Kids encompasses how pertinent these topics are in the media. It's easy to glance at one of these headlines and think, okay, good to know, and move on with your day. Now, however, we hope that you will really sit back and absorb the content in this episode, where we can give you evidence-based recommendations and an accessible neuroscientific explanation behind them. So what we hope you want to take away from this episode, even if you forget everything else we talk about after this, is that learning a second language and playing a musical instrument during childhood is very beneficial. But similarly to almost everything we learn in the realm of science, we have to take this with a grain of salt. We're going to hone in on some brain research in this episode with some pretty impressive validity and reliability. However, it's also important to note that causation cannot be implied from this research. In no way can we tell you right now with absolute certainty that teaching your kids Spanish or the clarinet will automatically make them smarter. We're simply sharing the scientific consensus as of right now, as well as some personal experiences of some folks in our own lives. It's also important to note that every individual in their brain is different, and so it's normal for everyone to develop differently and have unique intellectual abilities, despite maybe similar experiences or educations in music and language. But with these caveats in mind, our research has led us to the take-home point of this episode, that an upbringing involving music, a second language, or both sets a child up for a life with more creativity, appreciation for a challenge, and likely improved intellectual capacities. We can turn to a few informal research subjects to give you some insight into this claim. No, that was not some random audio of Vivaldi that we downloaded from the internet. 
That is actually the sound of my roommate and friend, Anna, playing her violin. She has been taking music lessons for 10 years, and what do you know, she is now thriving, about to enter her senior year at GW with a 4.0 GPA. Let's look at an additional example from another friend and prior roommate of ours, Isha, who grew up in a multilingual household. Her mother is from Northern India and speaks Hindi, and her father is from Gujarat, India, and speaks Gujarati. We were able to share a few moments with her over the phone to explore her experience with language learning in her family and how that has impacted her and her parents. Isha, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about the languages that you speak and sort of how you learned them? Yeah, so um, there's about four languages. I wouldn't say I speak all of them, um, but I know them. So um, there's English. <clears throat> obviously, I grew up in the U.S., um, spoke English at school, obviously, so English mm-hmm. is one. Um, and then my parents um, both speak Hindi and Gujarati. Um, my mom speaks, she's better at Hindi. Um, she is like from North India and like that's what she grew up speaking. So um, she would speak that around the house. And then my dad um, is from Gujarat. So um, he grew up speaking Gujarati. So that's what he speaks around the house. Um, <clears throat> and then my sister and I um, just speak in English. So all four of us uh, communicate with each other. We all understand we, uh, we all understand each other. Um, and that's kind of how I learned those two, those other languages. Um, but I can't speak them as well. I can just understand them. Um, and then the last one is French. I took three years of French in high school, so, yeah. Oh my goodness, well, that's certainly very impressive. And did your parents ever discuss with you sort of why they chose to teach you their native languages and how important that was to them? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was ever, like, a conscious choice. It was more of just, like, something that they didn't stop doing. Um, you know, like, the same way that we grow up speaking English, um, if you go somewhere else, like if you go to a different country, you're not going to stop speaking English to the people around you, people that you know, right? Um, so I think it was like the same thing. Like they weren't going to actively try to stop speaking the languages that they were raised to speak. So um, that's just, it just kind of carried on through that. Um, and it also was like important so that we can communicate with our other family members because most of, most of them are back in India. So um it's just important for us to be able to like stay connected to each other in that way. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so interesting. And do you think you sort of touched on this a little bit, but do you think that at least to this point in your life, all that language learning and being in that environment has affected you in any way? And do you think that that's sort of going to continue to play a role in your future endeavors? Um, I don't know. Like affected is like a strong word. Cause I mean, I was still able to, I'm obviously fluent in English, so that was never a problem for me, but Mm -hmm. um, when I started learning French in high school, it was, like, the first time that I ever was, like, taught a language, like, in a classroom setting, Um, and so I found myself, like, really struggling because um, I would mix up my languages, like, all the time, and we would have to give these, like, impromptu French speeches, Um, and, Mm -hmm. like, it was so difficult for me to just, like, sort out in my brain, like, when to use what language and um you know the accents that correspond to each language um but that's like as far as it goes in terms of like effect like how it affected me um definitely like when i go go like visit family in india 
um, it's the other way around where like my English American accent when I speak Hindi is really apparent <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's hard to sometimes like my um, family members who are also like my family members from India who are also fluent in English and Hindi will struggle to understand my English because they say that like my American accent is really strong so that can be frustrating but yeah wow well thank you so much for sharing that with us it was really awesome talking with you yeah thank you for being here definitely yeah thanks for having me so far this has been all talk hopefully you're beginning to question us a little bit and demand some concrete proof apart from these anecdotes from our friends but not to worry there is ample research on both music and bilingualism's association with cognitive ability Why don't we take a close look at one particular study published a few years ago in the British Journal of Psychology, exploring the link between music lessons and intelligence. Let's. In this study, the researchers compared musically trained and untrained 9 to 12 year olds based on their measures of IQ and executive function, which is basically just a fancy term for your brain's ability to control and execute important behaviors like focusing, organization, memory, and multitasking. Their findings were quite clear. The group of musically trained children had higher IQs than the group with no musical training. A common counter-argument attempting to weaken the associations made in these research efforts is that executive function mediates the association between music training and IQ. But in this study, they found no association between music training and executive function, debunking this hypothesis. While we cannot infer causation based on this one study, the results are encouraging in their demonstration that children with higher IQs and better scores on tests of cognitive ability were more likely to take music lessons than children with lower IQs and lower scores on these tests. But once again, it's worth noting that Kids who take music lessons are also probably more likely to grow up in more stable homes of higher socioeconomic status, with parents perhaps more dedicated to their education than kids who don't take music lessons. However, these findings are still very promising. Similarly, a groundbreaking McGill University study from 1962 determined that on 15 verbal and nonverbal tests, Bilinguals performed more successfully than monolinguals, which ended up suggesting enhanced brain function. But it doesn't stop here. Bilinguals are also better at multitasking and figuring out which information is most important for their brain to focus on. The benefits to multitasking were seen after a driving simulation orchestrated by Ellen Bialystok. In the case of the study, the distractions made it more difficult for everyone to drive. But the bilinguals maintained their normal driving abilities to a higher extent, showcasing better multitasking abilities. And if bilinguals are better at multitasking, it kind of makes sense that they are also better at taking information and deciding which information is the most essential to focus their attention on. When bilingual children were given a ridiculous sentence and asked if it used proper grammar, the bilingual children could tell that This sentence is grammatically correct, but it's wordy and hard to read. Whereas the monolingual children couldn't differentiate the ridiculousness of the words from the fact that the sentence still used proper grammar. And this ability all goes back to one's cognitive system. 
So at this point, you might be wondering, when are we actually going to go in and explore the brain? Do learning a second language and playing music create changes in young people's brains in order to account for the changes in brain function? Well, we're glad you asked because the answer is yes. First, we can take a closer look at musicians' brains. Studies show that musicians who began practicing music during early childhood have largest corpus callosums than those who do not practice music. You can think of the corpus callosum as an essential bridge of fibers connecting the two hemispheres of the brain. If the two sides of our brain struggle to exchange information rapidly and effectively, it will manifest in our intellectual capacity. Multiple studies have established correlations between corpus callosum thickness and intelligence. Increased thickness means more fibers connecting the hemispheres, which in turn means more routes for interhemispheric information transfer that helps with information integration and processing, thus strengthening intellectual performance. Long story short, when it comes to the corpus callosum, the thicker the better. And it's not just music that contributes to a thicker corpus callosum. As you might have guessed, the acquisition of a second language can have the same effect, ultimately resulting in enhanced intelligence. Yeah, hopefully all those Monday afternoon flute lessons paid off and my corpus callosum is super thick. You know, it probably is. You could have fooled me. Let's hear it for high school Spanish and French. Am I right? I've definitely heard that that's the case. Uh, Why don't you give us some more insight on that? Of course. So as we just learned, music classes can make a child's brain more intelligent. But what about another common phenomenon, language classes? Well, believe it or not, learning multiple languages as a child wasn't always considered to be a good thing for children in the U.S. Really? That kind of surprises me given what importance we place on language learning in today's American society. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, so... Originally, there were cultural concerns sort of surrounding xenophobia and how people who speak a different language might assimilate into American culture. And there was also sort of a concern among scientists about a concept that they called language confusion. So essentially, their worries boiled down to the belief that having to switch between different languages would confuse the developing brain and affect children's vocabularies and understandings of any language. So in Catherine DeLing's words, parents believed that, quote, the child would become a jack of all trades and master of none. But luckily, this isn't the case. And there's contemporary research which proves undeniable cognitive benefits to being raised and educated in a bilingual environment. So language classes are simply growing up speaking another language around the house. And as we continue, we'll touch on these benefits through the lens of brain science. With any luck, you'll be running to sign your child up for the nearest language class or choosing to speak your native language to your children at home. Okay, so if learning another language at a young age won't confuse a child's brain, how exactly will it help it? Essentially, learning in a bilingual environment is like a really good workout for your brain, uh, according to an article in the New York Times. When you're using all the different language systems, it's a struggle for one of them to gain control, sort of as Isha mentioned earlier. But it's really a positive struggle because ultimately it makes your brain stronger. Different channels in your brain are used for different languages, and their interaction is what's really important. Looking at fMRI imaging makes it clear that it's not that bilinguals 
reach answers more quickly or can tabulate responses faster in the test or studies we're looking at, but it's that the monolingual brains lit up in the imaging in a way that shows just how much harder they had to work to perform the same tasks as bilinguals. So it's kind of like my brain is fighting against itself, but it's getting more powerful in the process? Precisely. And there's also the fact that as you change up which language you're speaking, you're utilizing your executive control systems frequently. So just like before, your executive control system is going to get stronger and more efficient. And when your brain is more efficient, it doesn't have to work as hard to achieve the same tasks, which is really a positive. And you also suppress the language you aren't using through a process called inhibition. And this is one of the most powerful brain benefits that bilinguals have on monolinguals. The more you work out the brain, the more powerful it will be. And that's something that language can supply. All right, well, that was a lot of very scientific info. So why don't we take a little bit of a breather while our listeners digest everything that they've just learned. Shelby, would you be willing to play a little tune for us and show off your flute skills? I guess, of course. I'm a little intimidated after hearing Anna's violin performance earlier. I'm definitely not at that level, but I'll give it a go. so cool really hoping for the best with this corpus callosum stuff i mean you have to stick with learning french julia i know the classes aren't your favorite but you got to keep that brain strong (laughs) well i'm not a kid anymore so how can language learning keep helping me in my life now well this is actually one of the coolest cognitive benefits of being bilingual and i'm sorry i'm really hyped about it and it's that (laughs) studies have shown a delay in alzheimer's and dementia dementia by around four years and alzheimer's by as much as five to six years And what's really cool is that it isn't that the illnesses aren't targeting bilinguals' brains. Rather, the regions of the bilingual brain in which signs of Alzheimer's are typically present saw more physical atrophy, but the bilinguals were still able to behave and perform in the same ways that they used to. So they were much better at dealing with their symptoms, according to another group of researchers. An additional study also found that following strokes, 40% of bilingual patients could regain their normal cognitive abilities, but only 20% of monolinguals could. So I guess I'm telling you guys to stick with it if you're learning a language because your old person brain is going to say thanks. Definitely. And as we near the end of this episode, some of you may feel a sense of anguish if you maybe haven't learned a second language or a musical instrument as a child. But don't fret. It's never too late to improve your cognitive flexibility, just like Raina talked about a few episodes ago. In the case of language learning, it's important to note that to gain cognitive benefits, children need to be engaged in active language learning, such as when you might be talking to family members, but you can't really just set your kid up in front of the TV with Dora and expect that their brain is going to strengthen. For ideal brain benefits, you would be fully bilingual or multilingual, but as Bialystok notes, quote, the more you use it, the better. There's no breaking point. It's a continuum. So keep at it. And it's the same for music learning. You know, of course, starting early is ideal, but 
Your brain is really flexible, so it can change as you learn and grow throughout your life. And with that, we've reached the end of our session. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope that you've learned some ways that you can strengthen your child's brain in order to see lifelong positive effects. For more information and to keep listening, check out our website. In our next episode, you can tune in to learn about how isolation and solitude affect us. Thanks, guys. Adios. Ciao. Goodbye.